Thank you for downloading this episode of our podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast for Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge number 357, where we talk about all things related with Freemasonry, including hermetic teachings, philosophy, reason, spirituality, and much more. We're located in Buena Park, Southern California. Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. This article is from the Holocaust Museum website and it's called Freemasonry Under the Nazi Regime. Now it's kind of interesting how I found that. I just started doing a little research online with different articles looking up anti-Masonry after finding the uh, last couple of articles in the Scottish Rite Journal of Freemasonry magazines. So again, this is Freemasonry Under the Nazi Regime and the link to the article and the website will be in the show notes. When the Nazis came to power, policy towards the Freemasons was equivocal. Efforts to eliminate Freemasons did not receive top priority. Those lodges that espoused tolerance and equality and had international connections or connections through their leaders to the Social Democrats or Liberal Democrats were subject to persecution and often pressured into voluntary dissolution. Voluntary being in quotes. A few conservative German lodges that were willing to accommodate themselves to the regime were able to continue some form of existence for only a little longer. Nevertheless, the regime intended to exclude those who refused to give up their Masonic connections. In early 1934, the chief of the Nazi party court system ruled that Masons who did not leave their lodges prior to January 30, 1933 could not join the Nazi party. That same month, Prussian Minister of the Interior, Hermann Goering, issued a decree calling upon the lodges to voluntarily dissolve, but requiring such voluntary actions to be submitted to him for approval. In addition, lodges and their branches in various cities throughout Germany were exposed to arbitrary violence from local SS and SA units, though this terror does not appear to have been centrally directed. Increasing pressure in the public and professional sectors forced individuals to choose between remaining in their lodges or limiting their career opportunities. Many former lodge members holding positions in the civil service were forced or harassed into retirement. In May 1934, the Ministry of Defense banned membership in lodges to all personnel, soldiers, and civilian employees. During the summer of 1934, after Heinrich Himmler and Reinhard Heydrich completed their takeover and centralization of the Gestapo, the German police forcibly closed down many Masonic lodges and branch headquarters of the Masons and confiscated their assets, including their libraries and archives. On October 28, 1934, Reich Minister of the Interior Wilhelm Frick issued a decree defining the lodges as hostile to the state and hence subject to having their assets confiscated. Finally, on August 17, 1935, citing the authority of the Reichstag Fire Decree, Frick ordered all remaining lodges and branches dissolved and their assets confiscated. Nazi propaganda continued to link Jews and Freemasons. Julius Stryker's virulent publication, Der Sturmer, which means the assault trooper, repeatedly printed cartoons and articles that attempted to portray a Jewish Masonic conspiracy. Freemasonry also became a particular obsession of the Chief of Security Police and SD, Reinhard Heydrich, who counted the Masons, along with the Jews and the political clergy, as the most implacable enemies of the German race. 
1935, Heydrich argued for the need to eliminate not only the visible manifestations of these enemies, but to root out from every German the indirect influence of the Jewish spirit, a Jewish, liberal, and Masonic infectious residue that remains in the unconscious of many, above all in the academic and intellectual world. Heydrich created a special section of the SS Security Service, the SD, Section 11-111, to deal specifically with Freemasonry. The SD was particularly interested as its personnel believed that Freemasonry exercised actual political power, shaped public opinion through control of the press, and was thus in a position to provoke war, subversion, and revolution. Later, Section 7B1 of the Reich Security Main Office, an amalgamation of the SD and the security police formed in 1939, took over the section devoted to investigating Freemasonry. As Nazi Germany prepared for war in 1937 and 1938, the regime relaxed pressure on the rank and file of the dissolved lodges. Hitler amnestied members of the rank and file who renounced their former loyalties in 1938, and efforts were made in the public sector to decide on continued employment of former lodge members on a case-to-case -case basis. Many civil servants who had been forced to retire due to their Masonic connections were recalled into service after the war began, and the ban on former Masons serving in the Wehrmacht, the German Armed Forces, even at the officer rank, was relaxed. The Nazi party continued to ban former Masons from membership, though exceptions were made after 1938 in both the Nazi party and even the SS. As they conquered Europe, the Germans forcibly dissolved Masonic organizations and confiscated their assets and documents wherever they established an occupation regime. After a lodge was closed, it was ransacked for membership lists, important library and archival items, furnishings, and other cultural artifacts. Items seized would be sent on to the appropriate German agency, primarily the SD and later the RSHA. As part of their propaganda campaign against Freemasonry, the Nazis and other local right-wing organizations mounted anti-Masonic exhibitions throughout occupied Europe. German-occupied Paris hosted an anti-Masonic exhibition in October 1940, as did German-occupied Brussels in February 1941. Displaying Masonic ritual and cultural artifacts stolen from lodges, such exhibitions aimed to ridicule and direct hatreds towards Freemasons and to heighten fears of a Jewish Masonic conspiracy. German wartime propaganda, particularly in the army, charged that the Jews and Masons had provoked World War II and were responsible for the policies of U.S. President Franklin D. Roosevelt, who was identified as a Freemason. Some of Germany's Axis partners decreed police and discriminatory measures against Masons. In August 1940, the Vichy France regime issued a decree declaring Masons to be enemies of the state and authorizing police surveillance of them. The French wartime authorities even created a card file that identified all members of the Grand Orient of France, a leading French Masonic organization. The card file survived the war and was later microfilmed for the holdings of the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum archives. In 1942, Alfred Rosenberg was authorized by a Hitler decree to wage an intellectual war against the Jews and Freemasons. To that end, Hitler permitted Rosenberg's deployment staff of Reich leader Rosenberg to seize and evaluate Masonic archives and libraries to best equip them to carry on the methodical intellectual fight that was necessary to win the war. The members of ERR were guaranteed the support of the high command of the German armed forces in fulfilling their mission. 
After the end of World War II, vast collections of Masonic archives and library collections that had been seized by German authorities were captured, in turn, by Allied and Soviet forces. For example, a significant Masonic archive was found in Silesia in eastern Germany by Soviet troops in the last days of World War II. The Soviet authorities shipped the records to Moscow, where they were held in secret archives. Other Masonic-related materials were recovered in Poland. Some of this material has been microfilmed and stored in the archive of the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum. Since the end of the Cold War, many Masonic-related collections have been returned to their countries of origin, while others continue to be held in foreign repositories. Because many of the Freemasons who were arrested were also Jews and or members of the political opposition, it is not known how many individuals were placed in Nazi concentration camps and or were targeted only because they were Freemasons. Some former Lodge members, as individuals, participated in or were associated with German resistance circles. Some were arrested and murdered during World War II. The noted author on here is the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum, Washington, D.C. Thanks for listening. I didn't necessarily start off to make a whole series on anti-Masonry, but uh, in doing a little research on this, I'm amazed at how much information keeps coming up. So keep an ear out because there's going to be at least a couple more episodes. I try to keep them 15 minutes or less, so it's a quick listen. But uh, one of the other things that I wanted to share before we call it a day on this episode is in looking at our stats, it's kind of interesting to share with you guys where our listeners are. 92% out of the United States, that's not surprising. But then moving down the list of other countries, Mexico, United Kingdom, Canada, India, Argentina, Hong Kong, Azerbaijan, Switzerland, China, Kenya, Australia, Spain, and Brazil are where our listeners are coming from. So to everybody out there listening in, thank you so much. We hope you enjoy it, and please feel free to leave us comments. Um, if you'd like, you can send requests or information to ss357 at gmail.com, and I'll get that, or one of our other Lodge members will get it. And uh, if you'd like to request a special podcast or, or for us to do some investigation, please share that. So again, thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and lodge members. Visit us online at solomonstaircase.org.